on Wednesday, I, f I flew from Arkansas to uh, Southern California to be at our Foursquare Missions press banquet, our, our, our yearly banquet. I've never been to one before. And I just felt the Lord wanted me to go, and I was so impressed. It was, it was, a, it was a three and a half hour banquet, and I learned so much about the mission press and so much about our gospel box ministry. And we'll be beginning that again in November. And I'll have more to tell you about that. But let me just tell you, it was in the bulletin, but let me just tell you, I mean, just the amazing things. They've been sending the Christian's gospel box around the world for the past 15 years. They've sent over 17,000 gospel boxes in those 15 years. They've ministered and shared the gospel with over a million children. And they have 600,000 recorded salvations as a result of that ministry. Now, let me tell you this. They figured out how much a gospel box costs. It costs $150. And they figured out how much they have spent in the gospel box ministry over those 15 years. And they found out that the cost of that outreach per child who came to know Christ was $4.00. In 25 cents. Phenomenal. Is that phenomenal? So I came home, and on the plane, I, I just started thinking, like, well, you know, this is too good for us as just this one church to, to just do. I mean, I'm going to put together a video and I'm going to get it out to all of our area churches, and I'm going to ask our district to get it out to all of our district churches. I mean, I believe every four square church should get behind this gospel box at, at this close of this season in the year. And I'd like to see us give at least 20 gospel boxes this year. That'd be $3,000. And I know we can do that. You guys are so generous. There was over $4,000 plus given to Hurricane Relief through this church to help Hurricane Harvey, Irma, and Puerto Rico. And... Foursquare Disaster Relief, which there's a link on our website. You can study. They're, they're, they're at the fires in California. They're at the devastation in Puerto Rico. They're rebuilding in Houston and the Gulf Cities, and they're in Florida. And so um, if you give to that, you can continue to give to that. But I was just so, so thrilled to know that we as a church are part of the Christian Gospel Box, not just in our annual drive, but also in the publications of Jesus' baptism in me and soon to be added to that, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in me uh, from this church going forward in that. And I walked by in the printing room and there were pallets of those books ready to go to the Philippines and Africa. And it just was um, overwhelming to know that you and I, through what we do, little bits, are seeing hundreds of thousands of children come to Christ. And uh, so I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just still kind of in a, a, a haze about that and just kind of so overwhelmed by it. Um, and so I just wanted to share that with you before we got in the Word. You know, I, I notice um, this one thing about when I listen to, to messages. First of all, you know, there's something that God wants to say to you and, and even to me. In fact, when I prepare and I'm preaching, uh, I have notes, but... I, I usually find that I, I say something, I say many things that aren't even on these notes. And sometimes I say it, and when I say it, don't think, 
don't misunderstand this, but sometimes I go, hey, that was good. <laughs> and I, you know, it's not because I'm good, it's just because the Lord, the Holy Spirit uh, came and, and spoke to me. And, and I just got something. I went, that's really good. Um, and so you can't remember, you're not going to remember all of what I say, or, say this morning, but there's going to be something out of this message. And if you're following along in your Bibles, when that verse hits you and when that something happens, you know, mark it in your Bible. Uh, take a moment to jot it down. I encourage you to take notes. And, and that's a way of interacting with the Word of God. So I was thinking about this concept. We did a little uh, five-week series on, on, we call it the real series. We talked about what does real prayer look like? What does real faith look like? What does real hope look like? What does real love look like? And I wanted to end it up with what, what does a real disciple look like? And I thought about it, I said, if you and I were arrested, think about this, if you were arrested and put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I want you to think about that for a minute. Just ponder that. All of a sudden, they, they handcuffed me and pulled me away, and the only charge against me was that I was a Christian. And they want to know, well, is there any evidence that this guy is really a Christian? And so I want to take a look at that, and, and we want to look now at 1 Peter 4. Look at verses 1 to 2 with me. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. A real disciple is one who is actively battling and overcoming sin in their life. Real quiet. A real disciple is one who is actively battling and overcoming sin in their life. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, God uses suffering and difficulty in our lives to uncover sin. He does. You know why he does? Because we're, we aren't aware of all the sin that we need to deal with. Sometimes we are, and we're just stubborn. And like Israel, you know, we just say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And God says, okay, well, Nebuchadnezzar. And he deals us with us through difficulty. And it awakens us to sin. You know, nothing God did with the nation of Israel cured them from idolatry until the Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. And I'll tell you one thing, when they came back out to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, they never worshipped an idol again. God wants us to be growing and battling and overcoming sin in our life. Suffering brings to surface what's really in our heart. When we go through difficulties in life, it really reveals what's going on in here. The real you comes out in the crucible of struggles and difficulties. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a real disciple is one who is actively battling and overcoming sin in their life. That's number one. Number two, let's look at the next two verses. 1 Peter 4, 3-4. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regards to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Number two, a real disciple is showing active and progressive changes in both their relationships and their activities. It means that as you walk with Christ, your relationships are going to change and your activities are going to change. And if they're not, then there's something wrong. When we come to Christ, we come through repentance. Jesus came and he preached. He said, repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance demands that we turn from our old way of living and we begin to walk in a new way of life. And repentance doesn't start at the cross and end at the cross. Repentance starts at the cross and continues with the cross as we take up our cross and follow Jesus. Right? The Bible tells us, I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. It says, the love of Christ compels us. Another translation says, the love of Christ constrains us. So, you know, one is going like this and one is going like this. And I'll tell you, the love of Christ does both. I'll never forget, you know, when my daughter was little and I would go to the mall and Karen was shopping and she was like um, Ellie's age, I would have to both compel her and restrain her. <laughs> And that was with the hand of dad. I did that, you know, repel and constrain. Um, the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all have died. We have all died to our old way of living in Christ. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. If you are a disciple of Christ, you got to be living for him. Otherwise, take the label off the shirt. And then there's this, these two verses that are very kind of mysterious. Verses 5 and 6, They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now that, you read some commentaries on that, and there's, I mean, it's like come over there to over there. Some believe this is talking about when Jesus died, and it says he took captivity captive. He went and proclaimed victory to the captives, meaning he descended into hell, into Hades. And we think of hell just as the bad place, but in the Old Testament concept of Hades, there were two compartments, if you read Luke 16. There was the abode of the dead, of the, those who followed the promise of Abraham, and there were those who 
followed themselves, and they were in the abode of the dead, separated from God's presence. And, and many say that Jesus came in, Ephesians 4 uh, has something to say about this, that then he led those who were waiting for that promise back to heaven with him. That's one interpretation. Another is that Paul was, or Peter was talking about those, those who had already been martyred for their faith. They had been judged by men. They had been killed for their faith according to the flesh, but now they live according to God in the Spirit because they have eternal life. I, 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 I think I favor really the, the, that, that translation for this particular passage myself, and I want to tell you how I think it relates to being a real disciple. A real disciples showing active progressive change in their relationship activities. We must be willing to be judged according to men, and I'll explain that in a moment. Let me read a verse to you. Hebrews 13, 12 to 13 says this, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. We need to be willing to suffer with Christ outside the camp and bear his reproach. We need to be judged according to men, meaning we need to be willing to pay the price in a culture by living righteously in an ungodly world. How ungodly is it? Have you been watching the news lately? You know, you, you think, you know, how many of you, come on, ladies, I know you did just for the dresses. Watch the Academy Awards just to see the dresses. Come on. No? No? Well, okay, I'm glad, Karen, you're not here I didn't embarrass you. She would have raised her hand. She loves to see the dresses, but that's it. We'd turn it off after red carpet because the rest of it, eh. But she likes to see the dresses. I, I, I do too. No, I don't. <laughs> just kidding. I know, now you know, I'm just kidding. But now, now with the Hollywood scandal that's out, I mean... But that's been going on for decades. That's been going on ever since. I mean, you know, this world is a wicked place. And if we're going to live for Christ, we're going to have to stand up and be willing to bear his reproach. Because we're not going to be popular. To stand up for what's true and righteous, we're not going to be popular. And you know, it shocks people when you do something righteous, meaning reflecting Christ in a very crooked world. Let me give you a really simple, practical example of that. Yesterday, my wife wasn't there, so I didn't have anything to do. And, and you know, you're in those, how many have TV contracts, you know, <laughs> and mine's coming up in a week, and I'm trying to figure out what to do about cable or this or that. And, and so then I, I got this ad from, from uh, Spectrum TV, uh, has the local stations for $19.95 on internet streaming. I said, oh, that's a lot cheaper than I'm paying right now. So I called them up, and I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. So we signed up, and they were going to send me a free Roku. woohoo, And um, everything for $19.95, and they turned it on. And so I'm starting to watch it, and I'm going, oh, man. You know, after you have an HDTV, you don't want to go back. It's kind of like after you, after you eat uh, Haagen-Dazs, you don't want to go back to ice milk that you had in grade school, right? You know, or, or Baskin or Robbins or, or even Brahms. I mean, you don't want to get that ice milk in the big tub. Oh, 
and stuff. And so, so I'm watching, and, and, the, and the resolution's like just an SDR. I mean, it's like the old tube TV I had. I said, this is no good. Oh, this is terrible. So I called the guy back right away, 15 minutes later. I said, you know, I want to cancel the order, and I want to cancel it before you ship out that Roku because this isn't going to work for me. And he goes, the guy on the other end says, pauses, he goes, wow. That's really nice of you. I said, well, what? He said, no one ever does that. You know, they'll get the free Roku and then they'll cancel. You see the kind of world we live in? Everybody's so jaded. I mean, when you do something just that's right, they're shocked. We got to be willing to be those people who are shining lights in our places of employment, in our places where we live, in our places where we work, and we need to be willing to stand up and be a shining light. I remember when I was in the ministerial alliance several years back when we didn't pray at the city council meetings in Weatherford, and all the pastors were kind of like vacillating over what we do. Well, maybe do we do anything about this, you know? And I said, "Guys, we gotta get up and say something. This is not right. Why can't they weren't even saying the Pledge of Allegiance, folks? City council meetings, they weren't saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and they weren't even praying. We do both now, by the way. And it's led by pastors all over the county. But I'm going, we gotta stand up, and we had a wonderful uh, uh, Episcopal a brother who was leading the ministerial alliance, and I loved it. We went in there, and he is his collar, perfect guy to do this, man. And he's all in there, and he just makes this appeal, and we're all there in the city council meeting. Some of you were there. And, and, and they, they hedged and they hawed. I, I, got, I prayed one of the first few prayers on September 11th, and then they, they were going to shut it down because I prayed in the name of Jesus. And, they, and then, then we had another meeting. Well, maybe we need not pray in the name of Jesus. I said, we're going to pray in the name. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus or I'll never pray again. Come on. What are we here for? We're here for Jesus. You see, we've got to be willing to bear the reproach in a world that's filled with darkness if we're going to be a real disciple. Number three. Let's look at verse seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all this, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And be hospitable to one another without grumbling. So I'm like going to give you a real disciple, three qualities. He's sober-minded, or she's sober-minded, authentically loving, and joyfully generous. That could be a whole sermon within itself, couldn't it? A real disciple is sober-minded, authentically loving, and joyfully generous. A sober-minded doesn't mean to be boring. It means to be clear-headed. It means to see the world for what it really is. It's passing away. A sober view of the world reminds us to focus on the things that are truly meaningful and eternal. And those are the things that are sowed in love. Peter, in 2 Peter, says, Since all these things that we look at will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? Some people say, well, are, are you afraid of a nuclear war with Korea or a nuclear war with Russia? I mean, they have 20% of our uranium. Are you afraid that the whole world's going to blow up? And I say, no, because the Bible already told me the whole world's going to blow up. 
Why would I be afraid? I already know what's going to happen. But Jesus is coming back. And I believe in my eschatology, and if you disagree with me, that's fine, because we'll all be in the first group. Um, but, I, but, uh, but I'm going with the first group, okay? I believe the first group's going before the seven-year tribulation, so that's my view. And, uh, and if you have a different view, I'll see you in the first group. You say, well, Kirk, what if you're wrong? Well, I'll see you in the first group anyway. And we'll make it by grace through faith. But this whole world is going, it's going. So how should we be sober-minded? You know, why are we so bent on accumulating, 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 when all we accumulate by the end of our life will be dwindled down into that little U-Haul that we started out when we got married? It says, since we see all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? We should be sober-minded, authentically loving, and joyfully generous. You can't take it with you. So why you hold on to everything so tight? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Be generous. Verses 10 to 11. And as each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. A real disciple is actively engaging their God-given gifts in kingdom business. Now, all of us are going to do something for regular business, right? Pastor Terry helps build big concrete projects with his brother. He bids it. He, he, you know, he gets all the cost and everything and makes the bids. He's a concrete guy. I sell jalapenos on the side. <laughs> See, I do. And... Uh, and pasta and all sorts of stuff. But, um, but, I, but I also have a kingdom gift. And mine is pastoring. And so I need to be faithful in that. And you all have a kingdom gift. No matter whether you're gainfully working right now or whether you're retired. I mean, I don't care. You know, I told you in, in the kingdom, you don't retire. You just re-inspire. You don't retire, you re-inspire. you got to re-inspire. Because you got to have a kingdom gift. This young man right here, he's doing a, a blog on Facebook. Noah, he's sharing his faith and he's talking about Jesus on Facebook. He's using his gift in a way that's getting out to people. Use your gift. Don't, don't put it in a closet. Don't just go to work. That isn't your life. Eventually, you'll end up retiring. Uh, you know, you had jobs, some of you who are retired, you're not doing anymore because that season of your life is over. Re-inspire. 
You have kingdom gifts, and a real disciple is always looking how he can reinvest his life into the kingdom. Do you know that the children's gospel box was started by a dear saint of God who went to be with Jesus in December? And she started it 15 years ago for the Foursquare Mission Press in the later years of her life. And I told you how many children have come to Christ because of that ministry. And when she was going home to be with the Lord, she took the hand of Rook Wolfestig, who is the director of the, of the Gospel Box right now, and she took his hand and she looked at him and she said, please don't forget to reach the children. She re-inspired she re-engaged. She used her gift for the kingdom of God. According to the grace of God which was given me, as a wise master builder, I've laid a foundation, another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. You see, you're not going to be judged by God by how many awards you got at your job, how many promotions you got at your job, how big of a house you lived in, if you had a speedboat or a sports car or a vacation home or a good retirement. You're not going to be judged by any of those things. He's going to look at what you build on the foundation of your life. How did you use your gifts for his kingdom business? And you all have something to give for the kingdom. You have a gift to give. I'm so proud that Linda Morrison, when she dusted off that wonderful gift and she's been just bringing that new class for, for the people with diabetes to help them, that is a gift God gave you. And now you're giving it back again for the kingdom. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We have so many dear saints of God here. I mean, I could go on and I, I don't want to just miss anybody, but all of you, man. I mean, I could just start naming, talking about each one of you and what you're doing for the kingdom. It's awesome. That's a real disciple. Verses 12 to 13. Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as some strange thing happened to you. Don't we do that, though? Huh? We, get a, we, we hit a trial or a bump in the road, a speed bump in the road. We go, what just happened? <laughs> That's what we do. And God says, don't freak out. There's going to be speed bumps. Has anyone in here not had a speed bump in life? How many of here, come on, I want to see hands. How many of you have had more than one speed bump in your life? All right, hallelujah. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Okay, come to the altar. No, I'm changing <laughs> <laughs> it says don't think it's strange verse 13 but rejoice to the extent that you partake Christ's sufferings and when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy a real disciple is learning to rejoice in the difficulties and trials of life knowing that they produce the glory of God in their life now, we'll never grow, brothers and sisters, in maturity and in the glory of God apart from the trials of life. Now, I told you a little while ago that difficulties reveal sin in our lives, but also there's something else difficulties reveal. And it's sometimes it's not sin that God wants us to discover and cleanse. It's areas that we have not surrendered yet to him. So I kind of did something recently, had a little deal with God. You ever made a little deal with God? 
you know, I'm going to do this, God, and this is kind of what I expect you to do, okay? And so I'm not going to tell you the details. But so, so I went to do what I felt God had called me to do, and I, and I started doing it, and I'm looking, I'm waiting. Okay, God, when are you going to do what I, you know, you know what we talked about, you know? And, um, and, and I go, and I kept going and doing what I'm, and it wasn't coming, and I'm going, did we kind of like have a deal here? <laughs> you know, well, did you forget the deal? And, and I felt the Lord just say to me, just serve. But wait, Lord, that, I, was, I, I was doing this so that you could like, do that! And he said, just serve. So I served. And nothing of the deal I had made with God happened. And normally that would have thrown me into a tailspin. So thank God that we grow. I would have gotten all disappointed and I would have had a few funk, funked out days. You know, I'm funky. Uh, you know, I would have gone to the funky monkey and gotten what, the sad version of their, of their root beer float. Give it to me melted and warm. <laughs> But I just felt God saying, serve. Just be a servant. Will you just do that? And I did it. And when I, was, when I was all done with that whole thing, I was driving away and I wasn't having a little pity party. I just was quiet. And then I felt the Holy Spirit come alongside of me and say, good job. Nothing happened that I thought was going to happen. But I heard the whisper of the Father's heart. Good job. You see, fiery trials in life reveal areas that we have not surrendered to Him. And one of the things that I've struggled in surrendering to Him are the results. I like to help with the results. I'll do this, God. You do this. I'll help you with it. Oh, Kirk, as we surrender those areas in our life, look at the last verse, look at verse 13. Oh, I love this. It says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their party is blaspheme, but on your party is glorified. And as I drove away from that, that, that event and encounter, and I was driving home, all of a sudden, the Lord began to speak to me about something he was calling me to do that I had never, ever thought about before. It came in a different way and with a different direction, but God always pours out his glory upon us when we surrender all to him. Two more quick points. Verses 15 to 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. A real disciple is letting the light of God shine before men and is boldly giving glory to God, especially when they are being persecuted. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we... 
the enemy just likes to kick us around sometimes. I remember as a, as a baby Christian, the, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, points of victory I had was victory over my anger. And, uh, and I was, uh, had a lot of people who knew I was a new Christian because I was witnessing in my faith, and they would like to point out when I blew it. <laughs> you ever had that experience? And they'd go, well, Kirk, you, so you're a Christian, huh? Is that what Christians do? I didn't think Christians did that. You know, and um, I'd go, I'd go, oh, gosh. I try again, I try again. And, 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 I, and I felt this battering and persecution. I felt that they were watching me and I felt like they were judging me. And then I, I had an encounter with a pallet of single row Scott's bathroom tissue. I was rolling a single pallet of a cut. It was from an end display at the store that I had to put back on the pallet. Al, you can remember these wonderful times when you broke down the end displays and you had to put the repack in the back room. And I had it all stacked up and I was wheeling it back on the, on the pallet jack and I was coming slowly, slowly, slowly through the door. And one of the single rolls caught the lip of the door and it pulled the boxes and they all crashed and they all started rolling down the aisle and my fellow co-workers were standing there watching. What is this Christian going to do? I prayed. <laughs> I filled it all back up. I restacked the pallet. And uh, fortunately, the store wasn't open. This was after we were closing. And, uh, and, and, and then I, I, I backed it up again. I, I got it all steady and stacked. And I pulled it slowly, slowly, carefully through the door. And the other side caught the other lip. And it went boom, and all the rolls went down the thing. About that time, I would be screaming at that pallet. And I'd be throwing rolls of single roll Scott's bathroom tissue. It would have been mean and nasty. And I prayed. And I restacked it. And they were watching me. And the third time, I made it through the door. I parked it, clocked out. I got in my car, and I just felt the victory because God enabled me in the midst of their judgment and watching to see if I was going to cave. He gave me the strength to overcome, and I experienced his glory and his power in my life. I'll never forget that day. Jesus said, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Worship team, come back up. Last few verses, 1 Peter four seventeen. For the time has come, oh, can I tell you a funny story? <laughs> Real quick. I was at the church in Dallas last week, and I said, I said this, I said, well, this is about the time I would normally say, worship team, come back up, you know, and they were translating for me in Spanish. I didn't see anybody behind me, and so I, I kind of looked at the pastor, are we okay on time? And he goes, so I'm, I'm preaching, and it's a little bit longer when you're translating, going back and forth. All of a sudden, this music started playing from nowhere, and I looked at him, I said, 
Is this kind of like the Academy Awards? Is that like telling me that we're out of time? <laughs> and, he, and, and the guy who plays the keyboards was his son, the pastor's son. He said, no, no, when he heard you say, whenever the worship team, he went right up and started playing. So, um, so they're going to be, the, Carol, hold it because I'll get, I'll get freaked out again. <laughs> for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Verses 18 and 19. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. This is going to be maybe the most important point I'm going to make this morning, and it's going to be a word that maybe you need for your marriage or for your relationship with your children or your grandchildren or with someone that you work with, maybe a friend or someone that you're struggling in a relationship with. A real disciple is one who honestly looks in the mirror and says this, the problem with us is me. A real disciple is one who honestly looks in the mirror and proclaims the problem with us is me. If the church today would look in the mirror and say the problem with the world that we live in is us, not the world. The reason why there's so much unrighteousness in our nation is because the church has laid down its call to righteousness and to living for God in a dynamic and a holy way. God has never called us to judge the world. Did you know that? There's only one person who's going to judge the world. That's Jesus. He'll judge it with the sword of his mouth, which is his word. He never called us to judge the world. What did he call us to do? Evangelize the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and point your finger and say, man, those people are messed up. Woo oh, look at him. Oh, my goodness. Did you see that? Well, I knew if they continued like that, yeah, it was going to happen. They got their just desserts. You ever been that way? God doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to evangelize. That means that, you know that, that crazy lady in the cowboy hat? We need to, we need to pray for that lady and, and, and love her and share the gospel with her. She's all over YouTube. She's got many cowboy hats, by the way. They're kind of sparkly, too. I kind of like them, you know? Anyway, um, that gets to me liking the dresses on the red carpet. But anyway, I just digress. God doesn't call us to examine other people's lives. He calls us to examine our lives. It says judgment must begin, must begin at the house of God. Here's the deal. Repentance starts with me, not with you. It doesn't start, well, you know, Brother Dan... The way you wear that strap, brother, doesn't show your faith in Christ because if you, if you wore that strap a little bit over there, you need to correct that, brother. Oh, and putting that dirty pick in there, let me pray for you, brother. <laughs> because that pick has got sticky, gooey, dirty stuff on it, and we need to cleanse you of that. See, that's what we do. We look at what's wrong with everybody else. He goes... 
He's thinking, well, brother, you don't even have a pick, so what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, dude, he's right back there in the back row. Hi, pick. Here we go. It says, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. So examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. And then, here's the wonderful promise. It says, Now may the God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he also will do it. You know, want to know the most freeing moments of my life as a pastor was when I stopped worrying about you. I'm serious. I'm serious, dead serious. I stopped worrying about what was wrong with you. And I just started loving you. And people will go, well, Sister Susie, there's no, I use Susie because it's the first name that comes up. Sister Matilia was, is so messed up. Sister Matilia has all these problems. I'm just going to love her. Well, Brother Brigatius, he's so messed up. I'm just going to love him. You know why? Because I'm messed up. And I need to deal with myself. And I need to get whole with God. And I need to lay down the things that I need to lay down. The problem with y'all is me. And the problem with y'all is you. <laughs> Singly. Do you got what I said? I just kind of reversed it. The problem with y'all is that guy. No. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, stand with me. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us. We need to be real disciples. We need to be real, authentic, life-giving, Christ-reflecting disciples of the King.
Carol, we just play that. And I just want to invite you right now to take a few moments just to pray right where you're at. The love of God has been extended to you and I through the testimony of the cross of Christ. He loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. And that love that he showed when he hung on that cross and bore every sin and every penalty, every bit of shame and guilt, every brokenness, every disease, everything that needs healing, he took on himself. And from that cross, he declared his love for you. And it wasn't just that one time, but his heart is open now continually toward you. And his love is extended to you. His grace is more. His grace is more. And wherever you are in that walk of, we're all in that, in that process of becoming a real disciple. None of us has arrived and all of us struggle in different areas. But there's something specific that the Lord touched in your heart this morning. Something in your journey that he wants to minister to personally. So we're just going to take a moment just to be still. The word says, be still and know that I'm God. Before we sing our last song, we're going to take a moment of silence just with Carol playing in the background for you to be alone with God. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit now to speak to you in a very personal and a very profound way this morning. Open your heart.
a picture that the Lord has placed in my heart this morning. Perhaps it's a general word, but maybe it's something specific for someone here. I saw a heart that loved Jesus, but it seemed like it didn't have the ability to to hold that sense of His presence. It would fill up at a moment like now or during a moment of worship, and but then it would just like evaporate away so quickly. And that sense of His presence and of His love did not carry throughout the week. And, and the picture I saw is that there was a hole at the bottom of that heart. And that that hole was just allowing all of that joy and all of that peace and all of that hope and all of that love just to, just to quickly run out. And I just felt the Lord just saying that He's coming alongside with His love. And I saw His hand just come alongside of that heart and touch that hole and heal it so that that love and that sense of His presence would stay with you. Lord, do that right now in Jesus' name. Bring that supernatural healing of broken hearts this morning. Oh
My God is stronger this morning. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. If you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then don't leave this place without making that commitment. Just come see Pastor Terry or I. We're not going to have you do anything we don't want it to be an emotional decision because you know what happens when you make an emotional decision it doesn't stick. We want you to know what you're doing. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call to die to yourself and to live for Him. It's a call to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. It's a serious call. And don't ever make it something that's light. It'll change your life, but it will require all of you surrendered to Him. So Lord, we come at this moment where you've been speaking to us, you've been moving us to different places of commitment. Some of us are leaving this place with concrete steps of things that you're calling us to do, changes you're calling us to make, things you're calling us to surrender, sin you're calling us to overcome, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can't do it, but you can do it in me, Lord. You can give me victory. Storms may come, but my God is greater. Trouble may come, but my God is greater. So bring it on, because my God is greater than everything I will ever face in life. And through it all, the Spirit of glory and of Christ will rest upon me. Hallelujah. Lord, bless your people now. Continue to walk with them throughout this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you His peace. Go in the love of the Lord. If you need prayer, see Pastor Terry or I. So good to have you here this morning. Greet somebody that you maybe don't know before they leave. Make a new friend and have a great day. <laughs>